Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Uh, I want to continue in our series to the ends of the earth. And this is going to be part two as we talk about our city. As you know, every November we talked about in our church, we dedicate one month for for some weeks to just focusing in on missions and God's heart for his mission. And that's why we said that there's going to be a fourfold purpose throughout this month. The first thing that we talked about was developing or cultivating this heart for missions, God's mission. And many of you grew up in churches that did not talk a lot about God's mission. They talked about various other things, but if the mission of God was not on the forefront, and to me, that's an that's a injustice that some of you have experienced. And that's why your Christianity is always about yourself. And it's not about you. Until you understand that Christianity is way beyond you, just your own salvation, you realize more and more that, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. So we want to try to cultivate that in every single one of you in, in our church, that if you're part of HMCC, and you could probably say, I'm part of HMCC, that you have this heart for God's mission, because we're going to cultivate that throughout these next, and hopefully throughout this next past week or so that you have been developing that, and for the rest of the two and a half some weeks that we have left. The second thing is, um, is that correct? No, that's not correct. See, this is why I'm saying my uh, lack of sleep. We're going to capture God's heart for his mission. We're going to cultivate now a biblical foundation. I really believe that many of you do not have a very strong foundation in scripture of why we need to do missions. And so we want to try to build that. That's why the sermons that we're preaching, the things that we're going to try to do in our Bible study is to lay down a foundation so you can be convinced, not just because Pastor Seth is saying it or your leader is saying it, but you see it from the word of God that it really is a biblical foundation. Mission is on the heart of God. So not only capture God's heart for missions, cultivate a biblical foundation. The third thing is commit to participating in God's mission. We want to see every single one of you participating in God's mission. doesn't mean you have to go on a missions project, but it will be good if you can somehow in the future have that opportunity. But we're just talking about just being able to somehow participate. It could be a, a prayer. It could be just coming to a meeting and to participate in it. It could be giving towards missions. But we want every single person to participate in God's mission. And the fourth and last thing that we want to see happen is we want to see collaboration. We want to collaborate together to do God's mission. There's nothing better than to do it with people that you love and you care about and to serve together shoulder to shoulder in God's mission. And we want to try to provide some of those opportunities. Next week, as some of you know, we're going to have Thanksgiving outreaches. There's going to be various outreaches that we're going to be doing. That's part of the collaboration that we're serving together on God's mission. So I pray that all of you will begin to experience that. And last Sunday, we talked about why our neighborhoods are important. And, we, and I shared about how God's love, when we show it to people in obedience, then what begins to happen is that the love that we've experienced, it will flow out of that and other people will be blessed. I'm going to try to do something a little bit different. We did this during the summer, but I wanted us to kind of pair up with somebody next to you. Now, if you're new to our church, uh, we tried this on the summer. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. The introverts hated it. Extroverts, they're like, can we do it longer, all right? So those of you who are introverted, you're really shy. This is your one opportunity to develop. That's not the one and only. But here's another opportunity to have a growth mindset, to grow a little bit, right? Introversion is very good. I, I, I always tell people I'm a mild extrovert. Some of you are like, oh, he's so extrovert. No, I, I'm a mild extrovert. So even just meeting with all these leaders for like a whole day, I got back to the, uh, to the hotel and I just crashed out because I was exhausted. And so sometimes I know that we don't want to talk to someone next to us. And you're like, why did, why did they put me here? Because I don't like the people around me. But this is God's also trying to grow mindset. He's trying to teach you how to love. There's so many things that God is trying to do to you today. You don't believe me, do you? <laughs> Because you don't even know what's coming. So he's going to stretch us. He's going to help us to grow. So this is what we're going to do. Pair up with somebody next to you. And this is the question that I want you to share with one another. Is there one city that you would like to visit? And where would it be? 
And then after you share that city, then I want you to share what is it about that particular city that you want to visit? Why do you want to visit it? All right? So if you say Hong Kong, then I, I don't know what more to say to you, all right? Just uh, outside of Hong Kong, because you're already here, all right? I'm going to give you five minutes, so not too long. So just turn to somebody, name the city and why, all right? Go ahead. Wow. If you guys can be this talkative about the gospel, our church will never be the same. This is kind of like dreaming about your future vacation. So that's why the energy level is high in here. This is exciting. Do you know what my city is? Even though I've traveled quite a bit, one city I have not visited is Sydney, Austri uh, Australia. <laughs> I was not, I haven't been able to, I, I had an invitation to go, but I couldn't go. But that is one city that I would like to visit. And I heard so much about the city. I, I think there's some pictures up here that you can look at. It, it, is, it is literally an international city with people from all over the world that come to Sydney. It's surrounded by oceans. Uh, there are a lot of cafes, which I love. Also, I heard there are a lot of good restaurants. I'm kind of like a, a foodie wannabe. So there's so many different restaurants there. And also, not, as, not only is it a city, there's all these iconic buildings, but there are also so many things to do outdoors. It can go on like a sailboat and do all this stuff. And I just heard it. it's just a phenomenal a city. I heard the weather is nice. So I'm just like, wow, this is maybe where Christina and I will we, just retire here. You know, we're like, but we, we, we got to first visit, see how it really is. But regardless of what city, did, did anyone say Sydney? Wow. <laughs> You guys are probably like, oh, pastor, we've been there already, you know? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but the thing is that when you think about whatever city you mentioned, I bet that many of you said it's because of something that's external. Uh, some kind of monument or some kind of iconic thing, or maybe it's just the weather. Whatever it may be, it was probably something very external, but regardless of what city you shared about, one thing that we want to talk about today is that to have God's heart for the cities of this world, and especially Hong Kong, we have to go beyond the externals and the surface level things. Did you know that God loves the cities of this world? The reason is because the cities, every single one of them, are filled with people. And especially those people who have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every year, cities are growing. Statistics are clearly indicating that. In 1960, twice as many people lived in the rural areas than in the cities, globally. And then in 2007, which is a very important year, is that the world's urban population surpassed the population of those people living in the rural area. So it was in 2007 where there was a complete shift where now there are more people in urban areas or urban centers, cities, than in the rural areas globally. And then in 2016, the urban population increased by 4.4 billion people. I want you to think about that. So just from 2007 to 2016, we see in nine years, that it grew in the urban centers, 4.4 billion people. And it's estimated by 2050, it is predicted that more than two-thirds of the world's population will live in urban areas. So by being in a city like Hong Kong, a global city, a recognized city, we are part of something that's greater than ourselves, that the question we should be asking is, God, why did you place me in this city? It's not just for your education, even though many of you are here because of your studies. Some of you are not here just because like, you had nowhere else to go, like Canada or US, and so like, well, what can I do? Some of us were here maybe a, for a job, but I want to just encourage us to go beyond what we see on the surface and say, what is it that God is trying to do 
in the city of Hong Kong and the global city, cities in this part of the world. I'm going to show you a quick video. Google, what they did was they used a time-lapse pictures over the years, and they put it together, and it's going to show you the development of cities, various cities around the world. From the 1960s until the 2000-somethings, you will see this time-lapse of how much it has developed, that now the urban centers of this world are where so many people are, and this is our new mission field that we need to reach out to because there are more people in these dense, dense populated places who have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's watch this together. Is that crazy? Subin, are you okay? I think she's fighting with the lights. Isn't that incredible? I mean, I was just imagining what would it be like if we saw this video on the LCD, you know, next time we, we, we get into our new center. It's going to be exciting. But I was just thinking, like, just within 20, 30, even 40 years, you see some of these cities literally just nothing. There's nothing there. And out of nothing, it comes forth this densely populated place, which means that each of these cities that you saw and many more are being filled with people and especially those who do not know Jesus Christ. And that's why I believe that God loves cities. This does not mean he doesn't love the rural areas. But because more people are moving in, it says close to what, 4 million people each week are moving into all these global cities that God's heart is for the cities. That's why we have to be able to understand what is it, God, that you're trying to do in the cities. We have to understand the theology of cities so that it's not just a cool place to go to or I like that city because they have good food there, you know, or, or they have good whatever it is, but you, you realize that there's some significance in some of these cities that we just saw and many more that we haven't seen. This means to serve the city is to bring renewal because it is only then when the gospel manifests itself that we will see transformation and things happening in such a powerful way. And this is my prayer that we will first start in Hong Kong. We have to transform the city, not just us by ourselves, but with all the churches here together as one, one church in Hong Kong, that we will be able to make a difference here and then from there, we can go to some of these other cities in the surrounding areas here in Asia. That's my prayer, and I'm asking God to do that. When you think about the populations, I want you to show you this map here, and you will see where some of the growth is happening. I don't know if you could tell, but if you look at the blue dots and the yellow and the orange, these are the cities that are growing rapidly. So right away, it's in Asia, and where? Africa. And even in my travels, I'm seeing God and hearing stories of God doing some amazing things in these great cities. And that's why there are missions that are happening, missions work that is happening in some of these cities or countries and regions. So right now, in the next some years, these are the two major areas that will continue to grow. It's in Asia and in Africa. And this is why we need to have God's heart, even for these two regions that are very important. So once again, we don't just reach out to our neighborhoods, but we have to reach our cities and the various series, uh, series, uh, cities around us so that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing is simply this, that we must claim God's authority so that we can transform our city. I want to talk about what it really means to claim God's authority and the power that he gives us because he says all power has been given unto him. And then he's commissioning us to now go and make disciples. And what does that mean as we begin to engage the people in the city? I want to talk about four things, and it's a little bit different from how I've been usually doing my sermons, but I want to lay out a foundation because we talked about cultivating a biblical foundation, why cities are important. And then the application is what you're going to be doing during life group. 
And so hopefully you can take some of that and say, well, how do we then engage our city? Some of you who are college students, you're going to engage it in a way that's probably more geared towards your campus. And how does that connect with some of the different areas of this city? Those of you who are working, it's going to be probably connected to still your workplace. But how do you then connect it to the greater city that, that's, that some of you are not even familiar with? And this is just my honest confession. Like, I, I, I just, when I think about all the places I've been to in Hong Kong, they're just like the regular hotspots. Like, I haven't been to some of these way out there places except for our undergrad retreat. I was like, where are we? You know, I'm like, I do not want to live out here. But there are so many different places around Hong Kong that I'm just not familiar with, and I'm learning along the way, realizing that there's certain demographics in this area or maybe certain kind of issues in this particular area. And so the more we educate ourselves, the more we realize we tie it into people and we begin to share the gospel in such a powerful way. That's why we have to, we cannot do this by ourselves. We have to work with the NGOs, whether it's Christian Action, whether it's the Hong Kong Network Church for the Poor. It, it doesn't matter who we're working with as long as we have the same heart to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus Christ, because they already are ministering into some of these impoverished area or marginalized area. So we want to be able to love Hong Kong, not just in TST, because they have like okay Korean food, or Wan Chai because they have all the American, you know, Western restaurants. But we want to be able to really focus in on all of Hong Kong and how do we minister to them with the love of Jesus Christ. So I want to talk about these four things. I'm going to try to go through this quickly here. The first thing is this. I want to talk about the purpose of a city. What is the purpose of a city? The first thing we have to establish is that cities are not just a sociological phenomenon. That's important. Rather, God has a purpose for the city. In fact, it all started from the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis. It was in the Garden where everything was good. God created all things and He called it good. And it was in the Garden where God specifically told Adam and Eve, do not, you can eat anything from this place, but do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What did they do? They disobeyed. And so they ate of the tree, the fruit of the tree from the knowledge of the good and evil. So they sinned, so they were banished away from the garden. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. The garden, if you look at Genesis, you will notice that it was a place of safety. It was a place where they were intimate with God. They were fellowshipping with God. It was a place that everything was provided for in their lives. But because of their disobedience, we notice that now they are away from this garden. And it's interesting because the story begins to evolve. Do you know when the first city was built? Does anyone know? The first city was built in Genesis chapter 4. It is a story of Cain and Abel. If you remember, Cain was jealous of Abel because it was Abel's offering that God was more pleased with. So what did Cain end up doing? He ended up killing his brother. And because blood was shed, we see that God casted him out in the wilderness, and it was in that place that he began to build the first city. Genesis chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, listen to what it says. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he what? Come on, let's read this built the city, so that's the first instance of a city being built. He called the name of the city after the son, name of his son, Enoch. Now, that city that he began to build, which is pretty much a fortified place where it's just communities of people, we'll notice the story begins to evolve throughout the book of Genesis. And then in Genesis chapter 11, which many of you are hopefully are familiar with, we see that the people built this Tower of Babel. Now, the Tower of Babel, they, what, what were they doing? They were trying to reach up to God. And this is where God comes in and confuses the language in order to prevent them from not only building this tower and this city, but they would no longer do this because then they're going to be like God. So what we notice is that God confuses the language. And listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 11, verse 7 and 8. It says this, it says, come, 
let us go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord, what? Scatter them all over the world, and they stop building the city. So I want you to keep this in mind because you're going to see God doing something even in the New Testament. So instead of trusting and depending on God in their rebellious ways, they thought that they could build this power to become like God. And God says, you know what? We need to confuse their language so they will not work together to build this tower and try to rebel against us. And so he scattered them. Ultimately, you and I as humans, we have built cities. Human beings have built cities over the years and throughout history. And the problem with this, these cities is that there was a lot, it was rooted in rebellion. Think about this. Cain built the first city because he ended up killing his brother in rebellion and jealousy and self-centeredness. Chapter 11, we noticed that what? They wanted to become like God, and so they built a city. And so the, all these cities that were being built was not reflective of the heart of God, but in fact, it, dis it displayed their self-centeredness and what they wanted for themselves. Now, this is when Jesus came into the world. I'm fast-forwarding. He comes into this world and he tells his followers about a kingdom. It's going to be a kingdom with people who will live differently. It's going to be a kingdom filled with citizens that love God and love people. And that's why Jesus mentioned that there was supposed to be a city on a hill. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Let's read this together, and, and you can read it in the yellow. It says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it, what? Gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So here's Jesus, where he now clearly states that he's going to establish this new kingdom. And those who are citizens of this kingdom, we're supposed to be the light of the world so that we could become a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Because the city is supposed to reflect the kingdom values, which is about loving God and loving people. And it's not necessarily a physical space, but wherever we reside, we're supposed to be the light to the world. This is why it's significant when we understand the purpose of cities, is that that's where the people gathered and we're supposed to shine this light. So those who do live in the city, that they will understand the kingdom of God principles and they will understand the love of God. Let me discuss here now quickly what are some things that we see about a city, just in general? Because we're called to be a, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. I mean, this is not exhaustive. There's many other things, but I just try to categorize it together to help us to understand. The first thing is this. A city is a place where we can engage people. Usually there's three negative things that we do with the city. Let me explain. The first thing is we despise the city. Oh, we hate the city. It's so crowded. Oh, this is... And I realize in Hong Kong, you can't go away very far. Unless you go all the way to Yulong or, I don't know, all the way to Moon, all the way out there where there's nobody. Like, there's no one. Hello, hello. But in the United States and many of these other places around the world, you know what happens? Instead of living in the city, many of them live in the suburbs where there's more land, more space. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm simply saying that a lot of times we despise the city and we want to get away from the city. But as I mentioned, that's where the people are, who especially who need the gospel, that if you run away from the city and despise the city, we're not going to be able to love people and minister to them. Another group of people, when we think about our attitudes, the negative one is we end up really becoming like the city. I mean, there's no difference. Think about those of you who are working. The way you work in the city for your company, whatever your company may be, are you any different from some of the coworkers? You know how it works. 
They come in like, oh, did you hear what Bob did? Oh, really? Yeah, he's such a bad And so you're going, so there's no difference between you. It, it, Christ has not made a difference in certain situations. I'm not saying you cannot, you know, share. Because <laughs> we all have those people. Even in the ministry, we met some people. And some of us were saying, Lord, let's just pray for them. So we know that. But the challenge for each one of us is that the way we live our lives, is it just like the world or are we different? So we either despise the city or we just become just like the city in everything that we do, materialism, all the stuff that we see, all the evils that we see, all the self-centeredness that we see. Or the third thing, which I think for some of us, we don't really fully understand yet, but you will as you get older, we use the city. Some of you right now are here in Hong Kong to study, but I'm going to tell you this, you're using the city. Because your mindset is, I'm just here to study and get my degree and I'm out of here. When you have failed to see that within the four years that you're here, maybe God is trying to awaken your heart to something that you haven't even thought about in the past. Some of us who are working, we use the city because it's for our career. We want to advance so that when we go back to our country or go to another country, you know, we'll have like seven years, or I don't know, five years of experience under our belt. So you're just using the city where you're just like, I have to go to work. But you're not motivated because it's not about loving God and loving people. But as Christians, we are called to love and serve the city. The cities are probably the most diverse places in the whole world. This is where you get people from all over the world. You have minorities, you have refugees, you have immigrants in the cities. You're not going to get them in rural Montana or rural wherever, somewhere in China. That's why Shenzhen is Shenzhen, because they come from all over the parts of China in this one city that's only a 40-minute train ride or less away from us. Something about cities attracts these people who are weak sometimes or powerless, homeless, that's trying to look for a better life. They come to the city, not to the rural places. That's why I believe if you understand God's heart and what He is trying to do is that when He places us in a city, we have this wonderful opportunity to engage with people that you might not normally engage with. Let me give you another example. And I'm, once again, I have to be careful because I'm not trying to say something in a negative way, but just this is the reality. This happened in Chicago. During the 60s when the Democratic Convention was being held there, there were riots that happened in Detroit. And it happened also in Chicago and some of these different areas. And so what began to happen was that they call it the white flight. All the white people who used to live in these cities because there were people who were impoverished or marginalized or the minorities, guess what happened? They began to all flee to the suburbs. Instead of engaging some of these people who are different from them, it's just easier to move away with people who are more similar to you. Socioeconomic background, the color of your skin. That's why you can live in a place where people are just similar to you. Now, I've got to be careful once again. This is a rhetorical question. Don't tell me because I know. I'm just putting it before you. Where do all the non-Hong Kong people, non-Asians live? Think about it. Being an expat, you, you get certain packages or income that maybe the local people or certain groups of local people cannot get. So it's easier to be around people that are similar to you. And I'm going to say this to you. It will never teach you how to love like Jesus loves. Can I get a good amen to that? This is the reason why I think cities are so significant. Because it is going to help you to engage people, the people that God loves, the people that Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross and resurrected from the dead that a lot of us don't interact with 
Because unless we are forced to be able to interact with some of them, we will not. That's just human nature. But at the same time, so this is the paradox of cities, where you get the poor, you get the immigrants, you get the refugees, you get the people in need, because they all are looking for a better life, because this is where all the jobs are in some of the central places. But at the same time, guess what? Cities attract people who are the most talented and most ambitious people in the world. I want you to think about that. That's why if you think about all the global cities, that's where a lot of the most talented and ambitious people go to. I was talking to some of the key leaders in Nepal, and one of the things that they were saying was, they were saying, Pastor, we were doing some question and answer. They said, it's great that you're sharing about missions. It's great that you're telling us that we should try to raise up the next generation. But you know what they said? They said, what do you do when your next generation that you're investing in, after about high school and they, you know, or even younger, many of them go to another city or outside of the country to get a job? And I realized that I really couldn't answer that question because what they're saying is that it's good that we're trying to mobilize these young people to go and do missions. But what they're saying is that we have a mission field right here. What should we do? Because this is what we call the brain drain. People from Southeast Asia, what do they do? They go to America to study. And as they study, they love the life. I'll never forget when I was in the University of Michigan, we were in Michigan. There were a lot of Asian people who were driving nice cars. Like nice cars. And, you know, I'm, I'm an observer. I, I watch. I, I, try, I try to, you know, social experiments. I, I love that kind of stuff. I'm watching. And I realized something. They all came from Singapore. So what I decided to do is pull over one of the Singaporeans. And I said, dude, man, I've noticed that there are a lot of people in our church who are Singaporeans and they have nice cars, BMWs, they had uh, Lexuses, they had, you know, Audis, they had, they had, they had nice cars, Benz, and they go, oh, pastor. <laughs> because to get a car in Singapore, not only is it expensive, because whatever you pay in the United States, it's almost like a third or even half more. But you have to pay this license tax that you, you only get for 10 years to even just drive. They do that because they want people to take the public transportation to not make it so congested, which is very smart. So the rich can keep on getting richer and no one else can get a car. And they go with, with the Singaporean, sing, the Singlish, they go, Pastor, la. They said, uh, No lie. You know, so, so they said, Pastor, think about this. You buy a 50,000 USD car, or, or excuse me, 40,000 to 50,000, but you lease it. So you're actually paying maybe like 15,000 or 20,000. And after you study four years, you return the car and you go back to Singapore. I'm like, wow, that's a very good economic. It makes a lot of sense. But the thing that I'm trying to share with, with this whole illustration is that they want the success of having these nice cars. Once again, there's nothing wrong with having these nice cars unless you covet and then you got to go repent, right? That's a sin. But there's nothing wrong with having nice cars. But the thing is because they come to these universities and they study and they're just using that city and that advantage so they can get what they want and they forget to realize that if you had that much money, is there ways that you could actually bless people, the homeless people in Ann Arbor and some of the needs that we see around us? This is the paradox of cities. You have some of the most poorest and those who are struggling and marginalized in a city and then you have those who are ambitious and talented. And here's the thing. The people who are here, they're constantly searching for something. They're the ones who want to be making money. They want to, they're trying to survive. They think that if they could have X, Y, Z, then it's going to fulfill them. But they're, they realize more and more they might not get it. Here, they have it, but it makes them restless. 
because they can have all the cars, they can have the flat, they can have all the material things, but there's an emptiness in their heart. So these are the people that fill the cities. Restless people, and to those people who are seeking and searching for meaning in life, and I'm telling you, that is the perfect environment to engage people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get a good amen to that? That's why the cities are so significant, and because it's a place to engage people. Let me go through this here. A city is a place not only to engage people, but it's a place to establish common good. This is where all the people who gather in cities, they can do things to help flourish society. This is where talented people, those who have the gifts of art, whatever it is, that you could change the city because they gather in cities. Another thing is that the, the city is the place where they encounter God. I mentioned it before because you get people who are seeking after truth. Some of them are seeking for purpose in life. And it's in the city where you can share the gospel and so that they can encounter God. I think one of the most powerful ways, and this is why we believe in it and why we do it, is life group. Because they experience community like they've never experienced before. And so it is an opportunity for many people to encounter God in a powerful way. So that's why cities are significant. Because not only can you encounter God, you can engage people. You can start establishing the common good, the good for all people. And you'll see this all throughout history. All this was painting to a greater city that is to come. So once again, we talked about the purpose of a city. I want to talk about the second thing is the promise of a future city. I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. This is what the word of God says. For he was looking forward, he referring to Abraham, was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. This whole chapter, if you remember, in Hebrews chapter 11, was about the importance of having faith, trusting in God. And that's why in verse 8 and 9, which we did not read, we see that Abraham left his home, and even though he didn't know where he was going, in faith he obeyed God. And that's why he was willing to go to a foreign land and live in these tents because of a promise of a city in the future. In verse 10, it says that Abraham was looking forward to this future city. And it says the foundations were made by God. This idea of a future city is so important because there's other references in the book of Hebrews. Let me go through this quickly here. Hebrews chapter 11, you will notice in verse 16, it says, But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For, let's read this together, He has prepared for them a city. This is a future city. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 in the NIV, it says this, But you have come to Mount Zion to what? The heavenly Jerusalem the city of the living God, and you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. So reference to this new Jerusalem, it's a city that it's going to be in the future. And lastly, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, it says, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to what? To come. It's a future city. I love the New Living Translation of verse chapter 13, verse 14. It says, for this world is not our home, but we're looking forward to a, our city in heaven, which is yet to come. That's why in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, as we just read, we see that God is the creator and the constructor of this future city. The ESV says designer. He is the designer of the city. But the New American Standard Bible says that he is the architect. He is designing a city. From the garden in Genesis, we see all throughout as man was trying to build the cities in their own self-serving purposes. Now God has in mind a new city. That's why I think we have to understand that is the vision that we have to keep in mind. Revelation chapter 21, verse 2 in the New Living Translation. And I saw what? The holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a beautiful bride prepared for her husband. So we see the purpose of a city. We 
just quickly talked about the promised future city that is to come because that tells us where we want to go. Now I want to talk about the next two quickly here. The third thing is the problems in the city. St. Augustine wrote a book called The City of God. It's an interesting book because it tries to, he was trying to describe the difference between the city of the world and the city of God, which is pretty much the kingdom of God. And Augustine argues that both of these societies are visible and they try to seek to do good. That's why even when you think about all the plans the government has for a city, make it more green and, you know, to give more housing, they're trying to do good. Even though they're not believers, they try to do good for the people. So Augustine is arguing that both of these, whether it's a city of the world or city of God, they're trying to do good. But for the believers, it is a city of God that we should long for. And it is very clear that there is a war between these two cities, the city of God and the city of the world. And the thing is that the city of the world is trying to, which is filled with sin, is trying to bring down the city of God. So if you haven't experienced it yet, I don't think you really understand. If you have, any, if you have ever experienced an anti-Christian bias, whether at the workplace, in your school, that is the city of the world trying to bring down the city of God. It's interesting because in this battle, trying to live as a Christian and by Christian values, what you will notice, it is so easy to see the difference. The major difference is the city of the world is all based on pride. The city of God is based on humility and being a servant of God because he has purchased your life through the blood of Jesus Christ. This goes back to Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. Listen to what is, when they were building this Tower of Babel, I want you to understand what they were trying to do because they were trying to exalt themselves rather than exalting the name of God. Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, it says this, Then they came, come, come on, say this, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops to the heaven and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. I want you to notice, let us. Let us build ourselves a city. Let us make a name for ourselves. The message translation says this, and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower that reaches heaven. Let us make ourselves what? Famous. So we won't be scattered here and across the earth. This is the tension. And this is where the problems begin to, we see in the, in the city. Is that there are people who are wanting to build a city for themselves. They want to become famous. They're very ambitious. They want to make a lot of money. They want to, instead of making God's name great, they want to make their name great. Just think about any city, especially even, even in Hong Kong. Think about the issues of power, wealth, all these things. You could run away from it, but this is where I'm hoping that every single person in our church, we can engage in it. That's why we need to raise up people who are in these different spheres who will show what it means to be a Christ follower and do things differently. Some of you are like, I want to be an entrepreneur. That's great. But I hope when you start a company that it will be very ethical. I hope that when you start a company that you can give wages and think about all the injustices that you see around you. Don't be like the world. Do things differently so that people will be wanting to work for your company because they see that it's different from what they experience. So the question is, are you living for the city of God or the city of this world? If you live for the city of God, you will steward things well and you will glorify him, not yourself. There will be justice, compassion, righteousness in the way you live inside that city and how you deal with people. You'll reach out to different people that's different from you. Not the same type of people, different people, different socioeconomic background, different ethnicity. That's why in cities there's racism and all these things that we see, violence, is because we're trying to make a name for it. It's pride. So when you think about Hong Kong and all the problems and pain that we see in the city, I'm just w wondering if you have a spiritual view of the city. Does it motivate you to live in the city, to start engaging and to 
establishing the common good? Or are you still living for yourself and you're just using the resources around you? The last thing is this, not only the purpose of a city, the promise of a future city, because that's where we want to go, but, and also not only the problems in the city that we see, and I just didn't have time to name all the different issues that we see in the city here, and that's what you will probably do in your life group, but I want to talk about the peace in the city. Due to sin, the earthly city will never compare to the heavenly city. We just have to acknowledge that but we're still called to redeem and rebuild earthly cities. And God continues to challenge us to bring his peace or his shalom to the city. You, you know the story, and this is a passage that we used before. When the Israelite people were exiled in Babylon, they were thinking, oh, we'll just endure this for a little bit because we're going to go back to Jerusalem. That was their mindset. But God gave a per prophetic word that was completely different from their plans. God was telling the Israelite people, no, prepare to stay in Babylon for a long time. Now, let's make this real now. I'm just going to be here for four years. I'm going to be here for seven years because I, I could get a PR. Once I get a PR, I'm out. What if God prophet prophetically spoke to you and said, you, you better hunker down because you're going to actually be here longer? I want you to think about that for a moment. We're always looking for a better opportunity, a newer thing. We want certain things in our lives. It's very self-centered. And once again, some of these things are not wrong to have. They're neutral, but it's motivated by our own selfish desires. What if God says, just like he said to Jeremiah and to the Israelite people, you're not going to be here for only a couple of years. You're going to be here for 70 years. I mean, like, whoa. Well, before you say, whoa, that's exactly what he said to the Israelite people. It's going to be 70, 70 years, 7 zero. He prophesied that there's going to be 70 more years of you living in Babylon. Let me read the famous passage, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 5 through 7. It says this, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. So I, I hope you notice this right quick. Marry and then have kids and then you will become grandparents. That's what he's trying to say. It says increase there, not decrease. That means multiply, which is the prophetic word in Genesis where it says be fruitful and multiply. You're not going to decrease, but you're going to multiply. And then it says also, come on, say this, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. To seek the peace and the prosperity of the city, oftentimes it's not about you. To which I have carried you into exile. And then he says what? Pray to the Lord for it, because if it, what, prospers, guess what? You too shall prosper. They were to reproduce, reproduce and multiply. God specifically says, do not decrease. When you think about what God was telling the Israelite people to do, it was literally a paradigm shift for the people to live in a pagan society like this. It would have been so hard to be faithful to the things of God. But God wanted them to be a good witness to the people in Babylon. Verse 7 is the key because God tells the people to do something that is so counterintuitive. He says that, if, but if you think about it, the Israelite people could have been very, very reclusive. They, they didn't have to engage with the city because of all the pagan values and all the secular things that governed their city. They could have been like, no, we're just uh, Israelite people. We're going to keep to ourselves. But what does God says? No plant and eat from the produce and get married and settle down and have kids and let your kids have kids. Generational things that are happening here. So God says what? To impact the city, seeking the welfare of the city, it means peace and prosperity. The word peace, as I mentioned, is shalom, which means restoration or the wholeness of or the well-being of the city. 
I want to challenge all of us. This is myself included. What are we doing right now in Hong Kong that you are working for the prosperity and the shalom of Hong Kong? How are you restoring or bringing wholeness or the well-being of Hong Kong? Are we just using the resources here? Are we just despising it and pulling ourselves away, thinking to ourselves, oh, we're, we're going to leave after a year? Howard Snyder, in his book, Liberating the Church, writes this, Kingdom people seek first the kingdom of God and its justice. Church people often put church work above concerns of justice, mercy, and truth. Church people think about how to get people into the church. Kingdom people think about how to get the church into the world. Church people worry that the world might change the church. Kingdom people work to see the, chain, the church change the world. I do hope and pray that we will become a church like this, that wherever you are, you're bringing the church to them. There's nothing wrong with bringing people into the church, having them experience community, but every day when you're out in the world, you have an opportunity to bring this Jesus into people's lives. He only, not only said impact the city by looking after the welfare, but he says to what? Intercede, to pray for the city. When was the last time you prayed for the city? I'm going to give a challenge here for some of us to think about it, and I hope that at the end of the missions month, some of you will make some serious decisions. One of the reasons why our church in Ann Arbor grew, we had like 400-some people, at one point, the reason why it grew in the small city. So if you think about percentage wise, with the 120,000 people in the city of Ann Arbor and having the church of our size, the reason why it grew was because there were people who experienced the gospel when they were in college, in our undergrad ministry. Their life was literally flipped upside down because of the gospel. And as their lives were changing, and then they were going through like junior year and senior year, then the question became, what should I do? Where should I work? And this was the tension. Because they spent, University of Michigan now, I think it's about 60,000 USD per year. It's very expensive. And it's totally understandable for their parents to say, go apply in New York and go to LA, go come back home. But because their lives were so transformed, they could not keep this to themselves. They wanted to impart it to the next generation. So here's the tension. Should I stay and continue to put down my roots and build up the church and also people and even look for jobs in Ann Arbor might not be as prosperous or as high paying as some of these other jobs. But this is something that God wants me to do. Or am I just going to take everything I received and just move on? Now, let me be clear on this. It doesn't mean that all of you have to stay. Some of you will specifically be called to go somewhere else. And we understand that. We want to bless you in that. Because some of you are called to move on. We're hoping that you carry everything that God has given you, the DNA of our church, and about the gospel, and about the kingdom of God, and you will multiply wherever you are. That's our hope and prayer. But the reason why I believe that the church grew outside of God and outside of prayer, outside of all that stuff, is because there were people who were willing to make the sacrifice to say that I am willing to be rooted and be here. And in this context, they began to grow in their relation with God, with other people, in their career, and we saw the church begin to grow. So when these college students started graduating, they started working, so they became the single adult. Our single adult ministry began to grow. We had barely any married couples, but when these single adults, they started hanging out, they're like, I like you, you like me, and then all that kind of stuff prayed, and then they got married, I married them, and then we, our married couples group grew. That's how our church grew, because there were people who were rooted and stayed because they saw the importance of a city that they did not like initially, but they realized what God was doing. I want to challenge some of you here. You might not have liked Hong Kong when you got here. It's so different from where you're from. But maybe God brought you here because it is something much different from what you imagine. He's calling you to be rooted here because from here, you get to reach other nations and other places for the glory of God. Some of you who came like, I love Hong Kong. 
But it's everything is about you. You're using it for your own selfish ambition. I'm wondering if God is helping you to see that it's not about you, but maybe your gifts and talents, you could actually do something with it to bless the people that some of you don't even know exist here in Hong Kong. I'm going to skip all, all this. It's good stuff, though. I, I, I'm looking at the time, and I'm skipping everything. Okay. Can I just say that this is why we're doing the Saturate Vision? We really want to be able to saturate Hong Kong with the knowledge of the glory of God. So that Hong Kong can be changed. It's not just us doing. There's other churches who are wanting to see the city change. As we partner together, we're going to see every single person. We want, this is our heart's desire. We want to see every single person come to know the knowledge of this glory of God. Their life will be changed. I think the beautiful thing about this whole progression of what a city is is that in it is the basics of the gospel. Because when you think about it, when Jesus Christ was brought in, he was in the city, city of Jerusalem. After being Log 39 times, which is 40 minus 1. They made him take the cross. And do you know where they made him take the cross? They made him go outside of the city to a place called Golgotha. And it was outside of the city where he was crucified, bled and died for you and I. And the reason why he went outside of the city because he knew that he was going to die for people in the city. And this kind of sacrifice reminds us how much he loves and cares for people that are in cities where they are so lost without the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is why he's calling us to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Because as followers of Jesus, as we understand the gospel, our hearts are grateful for what he has done. Now we're going to be rooted and do everything possible to see one more person come to know Jesus Christ. One more district experiencing the love of Jesus Christ. One whole city and even beyond other cities being touched with the gospel message. I pray the Holy Spirit will convict us that we need to have a heart for the city. Not because it's a cool city, but it's because there are people in the city who need to hear the gospel. That's why we use God's authority that he has given to us. And that's how we can go and transform this city. I'm gonna encourage you to do three things and this is all gonna be incorporated in how you will do life group this week. The first thing is this, I want you to intercede for Hong Kong this coming week. Don't just pray general prayers, but pray specifically for things that are happening around. The second thing is invest in Hong Kong. It could be your time. It could be your energy. Some of you, maybe God will convict you by the end of missions month to put your roots here. There are a lot of things you might not like about the city, but you, you realize that God loves the city because of the people here and God is giving you a burden. I'll never forget one of the pastors here. He, he works in a, a church, a local church. He's a local pastor. Uh, <laughs> A group of us meet together, um, just talking about gospel-centered things and reaching the city and all that kind of stuff. So we, we meet together. And he, he lives in a place in Hong Kong that's really far away. And sometimes, he, he, you know, every month he tries to make it out. And he was sharing something that really moved my heart. Because we were talking about how do we really bless the city? How do we reach out to the city? And the thing that he does is because, you know, this person lives out, lives out the gospel. So this is the church where they actually give like food to some of the homeless people, especially the elderly. During the COVID situation, it was crazy. So their church actually go on, they go on the ground finding people who are elderly to give food. They have a food bank where they're able to give to people in the neighborhood. And so people know who they are because of the love and the generosity they have demonstrated. 
And then we were just sharing a prayer request. And he said this, he goes, can you guys pray for me? He goes, right now, I and some of the members from our church, we go into the prison. And I don't know which prison it is, but I, I think it's near Stanley. I think one of those correctional facilities. And he says that he goes there specifically because there are 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds who, because of the whole protest situation that happened several years back, they're in these correctional facilities because they burned something up or they did something, you know. And when he goes there, he talks to them, of course, in Cantonese, and he was just saying to us that many of them are hopeless. They just don't have hope. Not hopeless in the, you know, you, you guys are beyond help, but they don't have hope. And so what they did was they ended up making a curriculum about finding your purpose in life. So every single week, they go to the correctional facilities with these young teenagers, and they just go over this curriculum of how to find purpose in life. And ultimately, it leads to, of course, you got to be able to put your faith in Jesus Christ because he's the only one who can give you this hope. I don't know how many people came to know Christ through it yet, but when I heard that, it really moved me. Because he's a local, local, local pastor. So everything that he saw in 2000, even back all the way to 2013 and 14, the umbrella movement, everything that he saw during the 2019 and on, like it's very personal for him, what they experienced. I mean, I know people who are mentally, like emotionally, mentally just been affected. And so here's a person who's always, he was born in Hong Kong, lived in Hong Kong, his whole life, and he sees this next generation of these young people who are living their life with no hope. They're incarcerated, they're in these facilities, and they're wondering, why should I live? And they're going there to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, this man, along with his church members and his church, they're making an investment into Hong Kong, the next generation. Not only are they serving the poor, but they're actually going to prisons. And I was just thinking, oh, that sounds very biblical. When Jesus says, were you there, right? When, when I was in prison, when I was hungry. And it really challenged me. If I love Hong Kong beyond the external things, are we willing to make that investment? And even with our new facility, it's going to be ours now in the sense where it's 24-7. I'm wondering if we can find different ways to serve the community. This is just a confession. Every time I come back to Hong Kong, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You know why? Because things are faster. Things are very efficient. I don't know if any of you from Nepal, I'm not trying to criticize your country. But there are some countries in this world, I'm standing there in line, I'm like, this is so inefficient. They should put two people over here. I'm, I'm literally in my mind, I'm like organizational leadership. I'm thinking this is what they should do. Sometimes when I get really frustrated, I actually talk to the manager. Which this guy was walking towards me and he looked like a manager. I go, are you the manager? In a very nice way, of course, not complaining or anything. Are you the manager? He goes, yes, sir. And I said, oh, I'm, you know, my flight is about to take off soon. And I'm just wondering, is there any way we could? He goes, come with me. I just came with him. I got it done. And I went up. I'm like, this is Hong Kong style. Get things done. But here's what God convicted me of as I was going up. And then it was delayed, so I have to wait even longer. As minutes pass, I think about less sleep. I have to hope I finish this. But one of the things that God was challenging me, like just less than 12 hours ago, was that do I love my efficiency? Do I love my time so much that I forget that there's a nation of people, many who are Hindus and Buddhists do not know Jesus Christ. And it's those moments when God kind of speaks to you and you just get like stabbed in your heart. You're like, oh, you know, ah, I just said focus. 
I started thinking about Jesus on the cross suffering. But this is nothing. It's been an hour and 15 minutes, but it's nothing compared to a cross. And I said, help me, Lord, to make the investment because it's going to cost us. Will you make investments in Hong Kong? Because there are people here that he loves. And the third last thing is influence Hong Kong. One of the best ways to influence Hong Kong is that if we change the way things are done that is against what we see about the kingdom of God. When in your office, everyone's gossiping, that you're not going to participate in a way that is unedifying. That you're not going to cheat on an exam because you are a follower of Jesus Christ and he values honesty and truth. That's how you influence Hong Kong because it's filled with people who are looking for hope. They're looking for something that's different. They're looking for answers. And if you live your life according to as a kingdom citizen, I'm telling you right now, you will have a massive influence with people around you. I'm like, Pastor, I don't know all the apologetics of you. You don't even need to. Your life will be the apologetics. You cannot do this on your own strength. That's why we got to pray and say, God, help me. Transform me. I'm not going to do this on my own self-righteousness, but because I understand the grace of God, I have experienced the forgiveness of God, that I want to live my life to influence those around me in Hong Kong. I pray that once we move into our new place in two weeks, two weeks' time, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, we will be good stewards of this place. This place that He has given us by His grace. And that from our transformation center, a beacon of light will shine brightly. Let's start with Kuntong first, then spread out to this district. And then we'll look at other places that we can send people out in Hong Kong to make a difference. And then from there, as Hong Kong is changing by the grace of God, then we'll think about other places in this area in Asia that we can make a difference. It starts with us. It starts right now with what you have and trusting in God that he will use you for his glory. Let's stand together, shall we? Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.